0: Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Andrew from the Atheist Roundtable. Listen, I'm not playing my intro tonight because I've got a wee bit long of a show. It's gone actually uh, long enough that I have to split it into two shows, and so I'm skipping the regular intro music tonight so I can get to this ranty part really fast, so I can get to the interview really, really faster. Right. So, my, my guest tonight is Gleb Sipersky. Gleb is flipping awesome. You've not met a more awesome person than Gleb. You want to meet awesome people like Gleb. You are thankful that I have found the Gleb and had him on my show tonight. Yes, you are. In fact, I was so enthralled by Gleb's awesomeness that before the interview, we agreed that I was going to ask him some stuff about himself And then as soon as the interview started, I forgot all about that stuff that I wanted to talk to him about. And we still went so long that I have to cut it into pieces. So before I get started with this interview tonight, I want to mention that Glenn Sapersky is freaking awesome. He is a pro-truth activist. He is a disaster avoidance expert, a professor at Ohio State University, and the leader, the president and co-founder of Intentional Insight. Also, according to his Facebook page, he's a cat person. We'll forgive him for that. He still oozes the awesomeness. Before I talk too much, this is the interview with Gleb Thank you
1: so much for joining me tonight on the Atheist Roundtable. I have a super special guest with me tonight who wants to talk about what we're going to do in the new age, the new dawn of post-fact politics. And his name is Gleb Spursky. Oh man, did I get that right, Gleb?
2: Almost. It's Saporsky. So the Chief Silent, not this. (laughs) Man. Okay. I I apologize. I I suck. I'm gonna call you Gleb from now on. That's fine. You can also call me Mr. Chief. That helps. (laughs) See, you're old enough that you get that joke. You know, some of your listeners are not. (laughs) That is true, yes. I uh I date my I date myself as well so. <laughs> I used
1: to eat Mr. T cereal so that's that's yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Uh Gleb we li- we seem to live now in a time when uh when, when truth isn't or, or fa- facts don't matter as much. Um why are you so concerned with why facts aren't aren't uh as valued as they seem to uh, today as they used to be?
2: Yeah, this is a really interesting time. And Oxford Dictionary even chose post-truth politics as its word of the year in 2016 because of the Trump election and the Brexit Leave campaign. And it defines post-truth politics as politics where appeals to emotion and appeals to personal beliefs win out as opposed to appeals to facts. So it's not that people... And politicians lie before. That happened all the time. But in the current day and age, both with the Trump election and with Brexit, politicians win by very explicitly and blatantly lying. So that's the difference between what this time is and what the past is. Previously, politicians, you know, they can get ahead just a little bit by lying. Now they just blatantly lie and still win. And so that is what a post-truth politics here is. That's where we are. And this is very concerning. So the reason this is concerning is because other politicians will take example from how Trump has behaved and how the Brexit side in the Leave side in the Brexit campaign has behaved and will use lies and deception because now they know it works. They know it works to manipulate the electorate this way. And so as a result, we're we're already seeing more and more politicians on both sides of the aisle. This is a bipartisan issue, although there is more of it coming currently from Republicans. We also see some Democrats think Trump has shown and the Leave campaign in uh, the U.K. has shown that lies and deceptions work in manipulating the public. So what we are heading toward is a future of more and more lies and deceptions because these tactics work. They simply work. And because they work, and because the, these are, that's what has been shown, now the, some of the inevitable consequences of this, one of the inevitable consequences is much greater corruption. Much greater corruption. Because if a politician can win by lying, then what's to prevent him from stuffing his pockets and colluding with big business and taking bribes and uh, putting taxpayer money uh, to his own family while still lying about whether he's doing it. If, if you don't trust the journalists, if the journalists who are investigating it aren't going to be trusted, there's nothing preventing the politician from doing it. There's nothing. And so if the politician can still win by lying about him being corrupt uh, or her being corrupt, uh, we will not have a check on corruption. We will also not have a check on authoritarianism. Uh, that's another future, a very realistic one. Now, imagine if we have a candidate who says, you know, oh, uh, my opponent got millions of illegal votes and is currently in power and has judiciary authority, that candidate can easily say that if he does lose an election, that, oh, you know, my, I lost because of millions of illegal votes for my opponent, and if he has control over the judiciary, he can trump up some fake evidence about that. And if he can get enough people to believe him, despite the evidence being you know, clearly failed, If he can get enough people to believe him, that candidate can maintain power. And that's – so we're losing the check on authoritarianism. And that's leading to the likelihood of an authoritarian country and a corrupt country. And we are not unique. You know, there are plenty of other countries that were democracies that went that direction. Russia is one of them. In the 1990s, Russia was a pretty democratic, free country. And right now, it's, you know, pretty authoritarian. And quite a bit more corrupt. Turkey is going that way now. We can observe it going that way. A Decade ago, it was a pretty free democratic country. Then, over time, the media began to be attacked by Erdogan, and now he recently passed a legislative amendment that gave him a constitutional amendment that gave him a almost unlimited power, kind of very strong presidency. We had that. We saw it happen in Italy, in Germany, in Spain, in Portugal, in many other democracies. So this is something that can. Happens and it's very worrisome. Oh, I agree. I, I absolutely, I agree. Uh,
1: it, it, it's bothersome just uh, to think that lies win, right? That we've no. always we've always heard that the truth will out. Well, does it? Will it? It, it, it almost feels like right now lies will out and. The 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 better I don't is it the better lies make you feel is it the more scared like why is it that lies seem to have uh, so much more persuasive power than reality?
2: So this is a really important question of why they are very persuasive, and the problem with their persuasiveness does have to do with their emotional appeal. So it's very easy for people to trust their intuitions to trust their gut instincts we as human beings have two systems of thinking one is the automatic intu- intuitional one the emotions and so on the gut reaction that has evolved much earlier in our evolutionary process it's the fight or flight reaction it's the one that you know that we use to get away from saber-toothed tigers or jump out of the way of moving cars or the fight response when somebody uh, tries to attack us, so we attack them back. Now, we have another system that developed much later, intentional system, the, the logical system, it's rational one. It's much weaker than the autopilot system. It's much weaker than our intuitions and our gut reaction. For mo- so, most people do not have the training. Now, you can use training to, you can train your intentional system to be stronger and Uh, circumscribe your autopilot system in ways that uh, you can guide us to beneficial outcomes and we can talk about how to do that but basically you can develop cultivate a taste for reason, for skepticism, for updating beliefs, for effective engagement in conversations and so on and that's a difficult mental habit to develop most people don't develop those mental habits and they don't try now Some of those mental habits are associated with getting an education. So I'll give you some statistics uh, as an example. Now, unfortunately, most Republicans believe that Donald Trump won the popular vote. It's not true. He lost by nearly three million. But after the election, he keeps making the claim that has been debunked many times, including by more honest Republicans such as Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and others that there was millions of illegal votes, so that's why he lost the popular vote. So, Republicans, according to polls, uh, specifically the Qualtrics poll in December 2016, believe that Donald Trump won the popular vote. Over half of them believe that. Now, of the Republicans who believe that, of all Republicans, 60% of those without a college education believe that Donald Trump won the popular vote, and... 37% 37% of those with a college education, Republicans, believe that you won the popular vote. So education matters. Education can help you gain a more critical, constructive perspective on reality, regardless of your political affiliation. So it's not a matter of political affiliation. It's a matter of education and mental habits. So, uh, now that's one thing. Another thing is beliefs do matter. So there is a certain thinking at our that's called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is basically a thinking error where we interpret new information through the lenses of our current beliefs. And that's something that's pretty influential, and it causes us to believe whatever we hear that aligns with our current beliefs. It's basically difficult to update our beliefs that we have to actually work out to be open-minded and to strive to be open-minded, to be oriented toward reason and rationality. Now, your listeners are vastly, the vast majority of them are oriented toward reason and rationality, but I hate to say it, but you're the outliers, I'm an outlier, you're an outlier, we're all outliers, the majority of the American population are not oriented toward reason, they're not oriented toward rationality, so they are much less likely to update their beliefs based on new evidence than the listeners of the show. so... And, you know, I see atheists and other reason-oriented people, even people who believe in God but who are overall oriented toward reason, make basic mistakes in communicating to people who are mainly driven by emotions and don't really care about logic and truth and reason because they give them logic and truth and reason, and that just doesn't work.
1: Right, yeah. If if you are used to, I suppose if you're used to always basing your ideas on how you feel, on your automatic intuitive intuitive ideas, then having someone bring you a method that relies heavily on your intentional, logical uh, point of view just feels foreign, just feels weird. It might even feel wrong to try to, to uh, reason your way uh, to that conclusion because it's so foreign. Yes, it feels...
2: Uh, uncomfortable rather than wrong Mm. it feels uncomfortable and that's a better way of describing it because that's uh, less pejorative so it feels uncomfortable and people make the mistake of associating truth with comfort and discomfort with deception so they reject whatever they feel uncomfortable about people who are reason oriented tend to be able to stay with that discomfort and say okay I may be uncomfortable about hearing this thing, but uh, it may still be true, despite it not being comfortable for me to hear it. So let me actually look at to see whether it's true. Now that's a skill, whether you realize it or not, that's not something that's inborn. That's not something that that's something that develops over time that we get thanks to a college education, as you gave as I gave the example of Republicans. And Get, gain things to our parents and cultural backgrounds and so on, to a variety of factors. So we are all privileged and we don't realize it, that we have this uh, benefit that we are able to stay with this discomfort. Most people, you have to put yourself outside of your own shoes and your own ability and imagine people uh, who feel a discomfort and aren't able to deal with that discomfort. You know, Some people aren't able to deal with the discomfort of cold. Some people aren't able to deal with the discomfort of, you know, seeing tasty food in front of them and not taking it. And some people, large majority of Americans, are not able to deal with the discomfort of hearing something that doesn't align with their beliefs and uh, dealing with it in a rational, reasonable way. So when we say things like truthiness,
1: <laughs> to, to quote Stephen Colbert, what he really yeah. means is it feel, it sounds comfortable.
2: Yes, exactly. Truthiness—something that's truthy is something that sounds comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. We, we we talked quickly about uh, y- you mentioned quickly something about uh, journalism being able to keep this kind of thing in check, right? Mm-hmm. And that there, I think there was an example that you gave of uh, another co- of another country where an authoritarian regime is now attacking journalism. Uh, uh, uh,
2: Turkey, Erdogan. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and I just saw the other day uh, I, I want to say it was on the uh, late night, late show with Stephen Colbert because I love that show mm-hmm. uh, that Donald Trump or somebody Rince Priebus I think it was, who was saying that the Trump administration has looked at redoing the First Amendment so that Trump can sue what he calls fake news and of course we know what he means by fake news is unfavorable news, uncomfortable news <laughs> right? Um, and there, there at least is a consideration. It probably won't go for any further than that. But somebody is considering changing the First Amendment to allow for the president to sue journalists when they don't give him a favorable review. That's right. And
2: this is this is very typical of what happened in. Like I mentioned in Russia What's happening in Turkey right now What happened in many other countries When authoritarian dictators come to power One of the first things that they suppress Is freedom of the press Because they want Their only, their voice to be the one That is right And to determine the kind of information And authenticity for all
1: mm-hmm. Wow That is crazy Scary Gleb That is (laughs) (laughs) great. You know, if we were having this discussion, honestly, if we were having this discussion a year ago, I'd say that uh, this idea is nuts, that uh, none of this is ever going to come to pass, that uh, people are always going to value truth over comfort. I have uncomfortably been Mm. proven wrong here. Um, What can we do about it? Tell us about your pro-truth pledge.
2: Right. so Pro truth pledge is an instrument that you can use to address this problem how do how do we address the tide of lies and deception that we're facing it's huge to quote uh, our uh, our president <laughs> it's it, it's a huge problem now how can we actually address it the problem is that people in this I'm a specialized in behavioral science I run a nonprofit called intentional insights I'm not I'm the volunteer president, and there's a group of other people who help run it, and so as the president, I lead it, and I'm a volunteer, an all-volunteer nonprofit at intentionalinsights.org, and it's devoted to popularizing strategies from behavioral science for a broad audience, especially reason-oriented people, in order to improve our society, and we've, since about a year and a half ago, we've focused most of our efforts on politics because we determined that that is the area of most danger for our society that will will cause suffering and undermine flourishing in our society. And so we've been looking at how to use behavioral science, so the way that people actually think and feel. Behavioral science basically studies how we as human beings behave and why we do what we do. So our motivations, our emotions, our feelings, our decisions. Now we've figured out that the main problem in our society that causes us to uh, causes politicians and other public figures to lie is that we don't have nearly enough punishments for lying and we have don't have nearly enough rewards for telling the truth so that is the most underlying problem people are motivated by rewards and punishments and people who lie get a lot of rewards they get people who believe them and then they can do whatever they want separately from what they say. Whereas people who tell the truth, I mean, they're not, they are not—they don't really get rewarded because they still have to constrain their actions to the truth and people don't really praise them for telling the truth. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so that's a huge problem for our society. People can get away with lies and other people believe them and the audiences believe them. So the Pro-Truth Pledge Project is a way of addressing this huge problem in our society people can check it out listeners can check it out at protruthpledge.org as we talk about it so again that's protruthfledge.org and the pro-truth pledge is a behavioral science-based instrument that has 13 truth-oriented behaviors the behaviors include kind of some obvious things like i will strive to avoid sharing misinformation even in service to a cause i believe is good And verifying, before I share information, I will make a reasonable effort to ensure it is true. And source, I will share my sources, providing a way for others to verify my information and align. I will do my best to align my opinions and my actions with facts, regardless of whether the facts support my intuitions and values. And I'll gladly celebrate those who retract incorrect statements and update their beliefs toward the truth. And a variety of other behaviors that research shows are aligned with orienting toward the truth. Now we're not saying what the truth is. We're all talking about the process. How do you get to the truth? Formed by the scientific method but in the more complex explanation of the scientific method. So what are the best ways that we have of figuring out what is true as opposed to giving some information? So that's what the pledge is. And what we want to do is have everyone take it. All of your listeners go to Going to ProTruthPledge.org and taking that, and hopefully you as well, Andrew, to take the ProTruth Pledge, with the aim of encouraging all public figures, all politicians, especially politicians, to take the pledge. So that is the goal, and I can tell you about how it share it shapes the incentives. But I want to see if you have any thoughts or questions about the pledge itself before we go there.
1: Oh well. Uh- It it, it seems to be exactly that It seems to be a way to instill These uh, punishments for lies And these rewards for truth Uh, Mm -hmm. It seems so natural I I guess I'm still having a hard time Wrapping my head around this Truth equals comfort thing Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it seems so weird uh, To me anyway (laughs) uh, Because If If I'm uncomfortable if I'm wrong, then to me this is something that I like to celebrate because that usually means that I learned something, that I'm yeah. smarter now than I was five minutes ago when I was wrong. Uh, th- th- this is this is a cool thing. Uh, yeah. Bring me the evidence to show me that I'm wrong, so that I can be
2: smarter than I was before. Um, yeah, that's a wonderful attitude. I wish everyone had that attitude. <laughs> that's what we're trying to instill, right? <laughs> and, and and I, I know
1: intellectually that that I'm that I must be the outlier because yep. if, if if I were not the outlier, then an election wouldn't have gone the way that it absolutely did. Yep. Uh, it, it, but to think that it, the the reward. And punishment dichotomy is reversed here: that the people who are lying get the most rewards, the people who are telling the truth get the most punishment. Is uh, it's, it's a little disconcerting, Gleb? It's 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 a little <laughs> uncomfortable. Is it uncomfortable? <laughs> it is really you? is uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yes, it's uncomfortable to learn the truth, isn't it? <laughs> it, it it is. But you know,
1: if you yes. never if you never get there, then then there's no motivation to go and do something like the Pro Truth Pledge. There's no reason to go and look at it and evaluate it and 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 realize that this is something that we all need to do. You know, if you if if you're if you're in a place like I was before this interview started, where you think that um. Uh, that everyone loves getting smarter and and realizes that to be smarter they learn things and you learn things by going from a state of being incorrect to a state of being correct Uh, that um, you know if you don't get out of that comfort zone then there's no reason i don't i don't see a reason to ever go and realize the importance uh, of something like the pro truth pledge that um, so, so oh. thank you for making me uncomfortable because that really underscores why this pledge is so important
2: there is so, something called in behavioral science and psychology a phenomenon colloquially known as failing at other minds and uh, more scientifically known as projection fallacy and the false consensus effect where we project our the way we think on other people and where we imagine that other people agree with us. That's the first one, projection. And the false consensus effect is where we imagine that other people agree with us to a much greater extent than we do. So we fail at their minds. We forget that other people think in ways that are vastly different from our own. And it's uncomfortable to realize that they think that in different ways. But once you make that realization and come to that truth, you know they really do think in really different ways. It's really surprising. <laughs> but, uh, but it's true. And then you can, you can observe all around you the evidence of this. The election would not have gone this way. It did if people thought the way you did or the way that the vast majority of your listeners do, which is more oriented around truth and reason. So this is why it's really important to build a movement. We're building the pro-truth movement Around truth and reason Something that pretty much anyone can get behind And this is not a bipartisan issue This is not democratic or republican You know, I spoke, to, I speak to republican groups I speak to democratic groups And people are interested and enthusiastic About taking the pro-truth pledge and supporting it Now, the first thing that has to be done Is addressing the issue of truth And getting across to them why it's important to do that, why it's important to not lie, why they should care. Caring is at the heart of things. Why should they care if the candidate they like lies? You know, again, I'm sure that there are both Democrats and Republicans. I know that there are both Democrats and Republicans who currently don't care if the candidate they support lies. To me, I would not support a candidate who lies, or this would be a major, you know, if two candidates in the race lie, you know, both of those would be a huge turnoffs for me. And I would have to, if I chose to vote, I would vote, you know, really holding my nose. But that's because I have a strong concern for lies and deception. You have a strong concern for lies and deception. So do the large majority of your listeners, I'm sure. But there are, we are the outliers among Americans. Most Americans don't care that much. So we need to raise their level of caring. We need to raise their level of caring by making them aware of how dangerous it is and give them a tool to address these lies and deception in politics and other life areas. And the Pro-Truth Pledge at ProTruthPledge.org provides that tool. The more people sign it, the more support there will be for truth and reason in politics and other life areas. So we can talk about the ways that this happens, but this is the basic idea of this is the basic mechanism
1: of that. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at Slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook, or find your host at Slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to Andrew the Atheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of atheists, humanists, and agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided, as always, by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God isn't here. We are. Take care of yourselves.